Hello and welcome to Words the Bee Gees podcast. I'm your host Cristiano, joined by my dad Stuart. Hello there. In today's episode we're going to be looking at Sing Slowly Sisters by Robin Gibb. Dad, how did you first become aware of this quite a, a holy grail of an album? It was back in 87. I got a record collector and they did a article on it, which I think was second part in the uh, series and never been a third, but that's another <laughs> thing. When they were describing what happened in 1970, they mentioned three albums by the brothers. And so you had Barry's and then Morris's and then it came up this uh, Robin's with Sing Slowly Sisters. But then again, it, it meant no more to me than The Kid's No Good or The Loner. Right. And I just assumed, and a little bit like the kick in the head, it was something that nobody's ever heard. I didn't realise that there was bootlegs going around with some of these tracks. So it wasn't really until I read the Ultimate Biography and they went into quite detail and people had been passing cassette tapes. And then obviously with the birth of internet and stuff, I managed to get a copy in early 2000s. Yep. I think I've mentioned before, it was not bad. You know, if you can ignore the pops and scratches, and there were some tracks better than others. But to actually hear it now as we'll go through them, it's superb, the new um, version, isn't it? Yeah, we're entirely thankful to that 2015 reissue by Andrew Sanderville and others who managed to bring this album to life. It's just amazing, the difference. Back during our discussion of Robin's Reign, I remember you saying that you didn't hear that album until about 2004... So had you heard Sing Slowly Sisters before Robin's Reign? That's a good question, Chris. I did. It's a weird thing, isn't it? You you want to hear stuff that's not been released because you know that's been released. So you think, oh, well, I can listen to that or get it any time. But with unreleased stuff, it's just, I think the word unreleased makes you want to, you know, investigate it more. That's what I got first. Same with The Kids No Good and Morris Is The Loner as well. So it was just really good to get something that, oh, nobody's heard this that I was aware of. After I got sing slowly i got a another bootleg of robin's rain because you couldn't get hold of robin's rain and that was the one with the extra bbc tracks on it and a couple of italian things as well so that's how i got to hear robin's rain So I think for the purpose of this episode, what we're going to do is go through... There's 11 tracks that we're going to cover. There was quite a bit of surplus stuff that we'll cover as well. As usual. So, yeah. So I think we're looking probably around about 20 tracks, something like that. Yep. And this will cover roughly, I think, the whole of 70 from January. Because there are one or two tracks that Robin did after the Bee Gees had got together, sort of mid-70. Yeah. Okay. Now, the track listing I've got, it's Life... I've Been Hurt, Irons on Fire, Cold Be My Days, Avalanche, which I assume would have been side one, switch it over to Make Believe, All's Well That Ends Well, A Very Special Day, Sky West and Crooked, Sing Slowly Sisters, and Cella Vie Au Revoir. Yep. You mentioned earlier on, Chris, about when I first heard it, the bootleg I had starts off with Sing Slowly Sisters, which I think is a really good opener. Yeah, I've got a few notes to say about the track sequencing that we'll be following today. I I assume Brennan compiled that with reference to acetates and different sources, but I don't think that that is the greatest sequencing. The way it's doing, you've got five tracks on one side, simply because every track apart from the first one is over four minutes long. And then obviously you go to side two and they're, they're more 
shorter and concise. And certainly side one, once you've gone past the first track, you've got about three or four tracks again, sort of chamber music. So it's got a different feel to me, the second side to the first side. Whether that would have worked commercially, I don't think so. I think that, well, this is me personally, I would have utilised quite a few of the other tracks. Well, this album was recorded between January and April 1970. When do you think this could have come out? Well, they wouldn't want to release it at the same time as, as the other two brothers. Both Barry and Morris held their albums back, didn't they, from recording. As, as we'll see, when Robin went into the studio in January, February to record the first couple of tracks, within a couple of days, he was on TV promoting August, October. Outside the studio, he's, he's still promoting Robin's Reign, but then he's already starting work on the, on the follow-up. Much like Robin's Reign, many recording and session dates for Sing Slowly Sisters are unknown because they were unrecorded at the time. However, we do know that sessions began very early on perhaps even New Year's Day, January 1970. And in that first session, Robin recorded Sky Western Crooked and A Very Special Day. And this was at Recorded Sound Studios in London. And then later on, later sessions for the album were at IBC Studios in London. The engineers at Recorded Sound Studios were Mike Whale and Eric Holland. And then the engineers at IBC Studios were John Pantry and Ted Sharp. And then the arranger and conductor throughout these sessions was Kenny Clayton, who was previously on Robin's Reign. Okay. I think this one's, even though there's a couple of songs that are very stark, I still feel this is, is better sound all round, this one, than Robin's Reign. And whereas Barry kept Bill Shepherd for The Kids No Good, which I suppose in a way that keeps more of the Bee Gees sound, mm. this one Robin's sticking with his own style. But he was really prolific, wasn't he? If you look at every track that he's done since the split, they're all solo recordings. He's not been with anybody. There's no co-writes. It's just just him, isn't it? I mean, Barry, you've got Morris helping, and then Morris's album, he's got Billy Laurie. So Robin, just to pour out all this material in such a short time is amazing. And so this started early January 1970. What were you doing January 1970? Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, I was eight. Doing my fractions, I should think. <laughs> Any records you were listening to? Um, I don't think I probably had that many. I probably got into Lego a bit more than that. <laughs> I remember a single, I think it was Elvis Presley, The Wonder of You. But you got 1970. I, people used to buy me these, like, there was a label called Music for Pleasure, which <laughs> is like, really, they used to buy me, sell them in supermarkets. So I, I remember getting things like, uh, soundtrack to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Mary Poppins um, Oliver that sort of thing
we begin the album with the Eurovision song that never was, <laughs> Life. Well, we say it every episode, but I think this is a great choice for album opener. It, yes, it is good. I mean, despite what I said earlier, you could go with either, couldn't you? And I can see why they picked this one. I mean, it's probably one of the most up songs, isn't it? Well, definitely this side anyway. I think this one would actually make quite a good soundtrack to a movie. It's got that sort of quite big, big sound to it. Maybe it's because we've been so used to the Bee Gees albums so far when we've had things like And the Sun Will Shine yeah. and uh, I've Started a Joke and I Close My Eyes, which are fantastic songs, but they, they all are quite melancholic and we saw that a lot on Robin's Reign. So to have something like this, which is such a punch-in opener to the album with horns and it's so upbeat and I think very much like a Europop style of song it's completely different to the style of music that Robin contributes when he's together with his brothers as the Bee Gees mm. but Yeah I totally agree Chris and it's even better than stuff on Robin's reign it doesn't follow on as if it's part two does it? You're getting something totally different I mean it's brilliant for a start we've got no drum machine <laughs> I just think as you say Chris it, it, it's an excellent opener no pun intended, but do you think this song could have seen life outside of the album as a single? Funny you should say that, Chris, because I, I've just missed it. On my notes here, I've put, um, this could have been a hit, I think, had it been released. Hit being minor hit. <laughs> I, I just don't think whatever, that they could have released the best single in the world at this time, and it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't be. It just, it just wouldn't, would it? But I, I think... Had it been placed later or Robin kept it and used it later, potentially it could have been a hit. But I just think that after the, when they all got back together, there was a certain style they wanted to put out and that's what they stuck to. And because I am a man, I'll do the best I can to get you back with me the way it used to be because that Nineteen seventy, unreleased BG solo albums. Morris Gibb opens up with the instrumental Journey to the Misty Mountains. Barry opens up with Born. Robbins opens with Life. Which is your favourite, least favourite? I would still probably go with Born. It's very difficult because if you put the three together, totally different, aren't they? I would probably go with Born, Life and then Journey. Okay. I think there is quite a lot of similarity between Life and Born in the way that they use a yeah. horn arrangement. They they kickstart the album really well, even if they are much more up-tempo than the rest of both of those albums. But they don't reflect the album, do they? But well, then again, none of them do, in a way. Do you yeah, think? I, Journey I think Morris's does, with mm. the pastoral nature, and we get a few instrumentals both on the album and also those leftover tracks where a few of them are instrumentals. I think each fits the brother's style. Quite so nice. Morris has gone back to front. He's, he leads you into the album. Whereas both Robin and Barry, they hit you straight away and then they calm down a bit. But as it is, I've given life a seven. I think it works great as an album opener. It's not the best song on the album, but I like it as it is. Yeah, well, I've gone with a seven as well. Okay. And the next one we have is I've Been Hurt.
from life I think this is what's needed second track in it's a palate cleanser we've slowed the tempo down yeah I, I, I think this works nicely as that second track on the album yeah I'm quite happy with this one because I did mention in the previous podcast and I think we, we agreed on it didn't we that with Barry's we just needed a change whether it be just strings just to simplify the arrangements well this is this is exactly what Robin's done isn't he yeah all you've got is just strings and a harpsichord and then and Robin's vocals, which I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I think they're quite up front. I don't know yeah. whether that's on this, you know, the mix of it, the way it's been done, but he's certainly forefront, isn't it? Because sometimes with, with BJ, I don't know where you find, more later date, you have a job understanding all the lyrics. Particularly Robin's work in the 1980s. I'm still trying to understand the lyrics to human being. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ever will understand those lyrics. With this, we're going back to the Baroque style that we became familiar with from Robin's Reign. And I think that style, Baroque pop, suits Robin perfectly. Suits his voice, doesn't it? Really it's well. intimate. This is an arrangement that's built around unusually autobiographical lyrics but I think this is a song that's saved by the 2015 reissue because because we can hear it so clearly and such a fantastic work has been put into mastering this to have ever heard a lo-fi version which I did wouldn't have complimented the no. song at all Suspicious eyes And all they do is criticise There is a later version of this song, same melody, but a different title, different lyrics, loud and clear. And I think it was literally, Chris, wasn't it recorded literally two or three weeks after? I have no idea why, what encouraged the change of lyrics. Unless he felt there was too much, he wanted just to put a bit of tempo into a couple of songs. Yeah. And this might have been one that he thought, he thought obviously must have felt it needed just a bit of extra push on it. Don't you share my name in vain I 
Is it one of those tracks that you're supposed to really like? I've gone with a five on this, unfortunately. Wow, okay. No, I, I, I do really like it. I've given and it I think seven. a lot of people do. Yeah. But mm, five. Okay, no, seven for me. On to track three, Irons in the Fire. So I'm older, not a hand nor shoulder. Tapestries of you fall into view. in the fire But my flames aren't getting higher Seems I'm just a hopeless case without you Without your face I'm an empty Well, to me, Chris, this is very similar to the last one, though I think the feel on this one is even darker. But looking through Joseph Brennan's notes and bits and pieces, there are three tracks all recorded at the same time. So you've got the previous one, I've Been Hurt, Cold Be My Days, and the follow-up track, Irons on Fire. And it's quite amazing that those three tracks are then sequenced onto this album together. Do you think that works? Personally, not for me, no. You like it. I like that there's this moment on the album when we, from the pop of life, we then go into, we dip down into chamber music, baroque pop. Mm. We seem to, we, yeah, I like the way that the album sort of goes through this mood. And then, as I'll discuss later on side two, we go into another mood. I think it works really nicely. And, and I'm a big fan of I've Been Hurt, Irons in the Fire, Cold Be My Days. I think that's a really nice trilogy of songs. Mm. Well, I think that's the first time doing this podcast that we, we've really disagreed on. Yeah on things because after life I wouldn't have gone straight into I've been hurt I would have I would have gone something probably a little bit slower but not as stark as these but as, as we go through it I'll I'll probably mention what what I think so for me again this is this is a it's a bit too similar to the previous one and whether there seems to be more harpsichord on this one do you think yes yeah there is it does remind me, though, of a track from Gilbert O'Sullivan's uh, first LP called Permissive Twit, which I do like. By now the word will no doubt have been heard by almost every bleeding nosy parker in our alley. I think there's great similarity between the songwriting style of Gilbert O'Sullivan and Robin Gibb. I think they've the, the way that they tend to tend to approach music and the styles that they favour, particularly. Well, Gilbert's known for his lyrics, isn't he? For twisting words, double meaning. Yeah, and they both both of them tend to favour toy town pop, but that sort of style. Yeah, oh, they do. Yeah, and I think that the sound of this song, the baroque pop, and the arrangement and the use of harpsichord, I think is missing from subsequent Bee Gees albums. I think you could lift. To whom it may concern, two years on, any of those albums could be lifted by this style. I don't know. I I know that you're not so keen on this, so you would probably disagree. 
if it was part of a double album, I could, I could, <laughs> I, I could take it. It's all down to the melody as well. That's one thing you've got to say about Robin, and, and particularly on this album, it's just full of melody. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, there's no, you've got no guitar riffs, you've got no rock elements or anything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just brilliant for what a nineteen twenty year old, isn't it? I'm wondering because your first introduction to the world of the Bee Gees was Robin Gibbs Safe by the Bell Mother and Jack both songs that you really love when we spoke about Robin's Reign you weren't so keen on things like Lord Bless All and Most of My Life the more downbeat songs so I'm wondering it was, it was that last few wasn't it was it Ferdinand's Farmer and his yeah so I'm wondering whether subconsciously you're favouring Robin Gibb when he's a bit more upbeat and a bit more poppy, poppy. Yeah. yeah I would say that how do you think the eight year old Stuart would be faring so far with this album uh, bottom of the pile I think <laughs> been upbeat with the first one and uh, I, th- I think I'd have gone back to Malego quickly <laughs> <laughs> oh my has great and I watch Another day passing by the arcade of my age. Listening to the lyrics of this song, it's another one of those semi autobiographical pieces, a bit like a bit like I've been hurt, with Robin reflecting back. I found a quotation from Robin circa nineteen seventy, and he says, I get the feeling that I was born in the wrong century. So Robin seems to, he likes to imagine himself as being older than his years and writes in that style. As we've picked up on, he's very mature for his age in his songwriting and his ability oh, to yeah. create these fictitious stories in his lyrics. So it's Robin, as a 19, 20-year-old, imagine himself as 79. Yeah. That ending coda, I think, is so understated, but incredibly beautiful and moving. I love it. You do? Yeah. When it goes into just harpsichord, which picks up the melody from Robin's vocals, I think that's just beautiful. I feel guilty now. I'll have to go and give it another listen. Maybe on the strength of that closing coda, I've given this one an eight. Yeah, I'm still with a five. Okay. I do really like the way that the closing instrumental ties into Colby My Days, the next song. Stower. Won't be the end. 
Like the last couple of tracks, this continues with the theme of reflection and looking back. And it, it's, like the past two songs, another fantastic one for me. Yeah. The mood slightly lightens up a bit with this one. Here in my notes, I've put excellent vocal and appreciating that we can hear this now in its full glory. Yeah. I mean, for me, at six minutes, it overstays its welcome. If you look at this, the last two tracks in this one, you're looking at over 14 minutes of this type of music. So it virtually swallows up the whole of this side, doesn't it? I mean, Robin's previous album, I think he had, he was starting to work on that longer track, the one that we we mentioned earlier. Because I think initially that was about nine, ten minutes, was it, something? And they shortened it, didn't they, to two or three minutes to fit in the album. Well, it seemed like Robin's been given free range to just let his ideas flow. And... That's what's happened here, and there's there's been no there's no editing as such that I'm aware of. From Robin's Rain to Robin's Range. <laughs> <laughs> This song has gained a bit of stature over the years for its reference to quite obscure places around the UK. For anyone who's unfamiliar, Peel Castle, that's in the Isle of Man, where the Bee Gees were born. And then Shipston on Stour, that's in Warwickshire. I went horse riding in Shipston on Stour when I first arrived in England with Barry and my first wife. I had some pretty good memories down there, so it was one of those experiences, real life experiences. It's at this point on the album that it becomes clear to me how much Robin's songwriting and craftsmanship has matured and developed since Robin's reign. Even though sessions for this overlapped with Robin's reign, there seems to be a progression. Yes, I just think he he was experimenting as well. And like Irons in the Fire, this one has another really beautiful ending. Yeah, it sort of fades out quite nicely, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a bit strange as one because... I know Robin did the Titanic Requiem, didn't he? I can imagine this being played on the Titanic. But then again, you can listen to it another time and you can imagine Robin sitting there with, you know, with the ruffles around his neck 200, 300 years ago. It's all in the past. They could have given quite a few songs to that Titanic quartet, Sinking Ships. <laughs> But at the end of this song, as the strings fade out, we do hear the harpsichord as it arpeggiates up the final chord of the song. And the sound of the harpsichord actually blends really nicely into the opening guitar strumming of Avalanche. Oh, So it's okay. another really nice transition when you go from one to the next. So we talked earlier on about we wasn't 100% sure then whether this would have been the correct order. 
from what you're saying, the way you think things link then, you think it possibly could be? It could just be serendipity, but I, I think that they, they do flow together really mm. nicely. Yeah, there's no jarring moments, is there? That's probably why they've stuck life on as the first track. Yeah. And it lets these three, four songs flow into one another. Yeah. I've given it a seven out of ten. Yeah. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Five. <laughs> we'll see if things change for Avalanche. I was on my honeymoon with my first wife and we got trapped for about a week in an avalanche. We were cut off from the rest of civilization without food or water, literally four or five days. Our chalet was completely cut off. Chris, I've got to say, this to me is even more stripped back than the previous ones. But I will say that hearing what Robin says, what why he wrote the song, the vocal sounds like a like a first take. I'll have to check on it, but the way he sings it, he he, he just put in motion as if he is still trapped in this log cabin or ever. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it was deliberate or intentional, but a really clever trick that Robin does with this song the tempo throughout the song gradually increases and increases and it snowballs like an avalanche gets faster and faster I hadn't thought of that yeah I picked it up and thought well, yeah that's, that's actually really clever the way that he's matching the music to the lyrics I would not mind I would not mind if it's not often that we hear Robin just his vocals with acoustic guitar. It's very much stripped back, an acoustic piece. And as you said, it does sound like a first take, the beginning of mm. something. It, it sounds as though it's yet to be developed. Do you think it's a demo that they just worked on touching bits up? If this album were to have materialised in 1970, I think this song would have sounded different. Well, looking at uh, Joseph Brennan's, when he lists the songs out, it says here that Avalanche was originally planned in this form okay so they're, they're obviously happy with with the way way it was done but it's quite interesting that he revisits this one but if i really wanted to put some of these songs out i would definitely rework them 
There are some songs that I like to rework, like Avalanche, which I like to revisit, and some of the others as well. After doing that interview in 2007, this clearly brought the song back on his mind. He must have thought he could have worked on this one. He's obviously thought about all them songs, or whether he, he managed to listen to them, whether he had copies and stuff and it brought it to the fore. How do you compare this to the songs that have come before? It reminds me a little bit of some of them tracks he did early on for Robin's Reign. So you you probably got like Janice, um, that sort of style. Yeah. It's a five again, though I kind of prefer it to one or two of the previous ones. Yeah, for me it's, it's a slight decrease to a six. I do like it, but it seems a bit too much of a stark contrast from the very well orchestrated and very well arranged songs that come before and after it seems a bit too different but they've obviously decided to in this imaginary album finish it off in that sort of style let's get these block of songs keep them together yeah turn over and we'll we'll start afresh with something more upbeat but it's interesting that you hear it different to me so well carrying on we turn the album over onto it's only make believe There's people in my public life that cannot even love their wife, but soon they've got to. It's only make-believe He has to give is to Listening to this, I hear it as being Robin's interpretation of what Barry and Morris were doing with Don't Forget to Remember and then Barry with I'll Kiss Your Memory. It seems like Robin's response to that style of music and it's his version. And it's better. I mean, I, th- I, I really like this one. This is, this is a highlight for me. Okay, well, we are opposites because I'm I'm not so keen. Yeah, I I love the orchestration on this. I will say that it reminds me of most of my life from the previous album, which I wasn't so keen on. So, but yeah, I can see that connection. Yeah, I think the melody really shines through on this. It's pretty instant. I think my biggest problem with this song, you made the connection to most of my life. This doesn't feel like an, a side opener. It feels more like a side closer. 
yeah. I would have swapped this and Avalanche. Avalanche builds the tempo, so it builds the side and opens it up well. Whereas I think this would have really nicely wrapped up side one or side two. So this is where I have issues with the sequencing for this album. Yeah, so you, you would have put Avalanche probably the end of the album then, would you? I would have gone from Colby My Days into It's Only Make Believe, Turnover, Side 2, Avalanche, and then continuing on with the rest yeah. of the album. Yeah, I, I couldn't see Avalanche starting because you've, you've still got Sing Sidey Sisters to pop in somewhere. And I I think that's that's a beginner. So I'll put Sing Sidey at the beginning of Side 2. And possibly, as you say, leave Make Believe, swap that over and put Avalanche a bit later on in the album. But no, going back to this one, I think it's melody driven. It's it's just really got a superb chorus. It's one of those songs that the, the, the Bee Gees are so good at writing. It's where you hear it and, and it's instantly familiar. Whether you like it or not, it's subconsciously a couple of listens and, and, it, and it stays with you. For sure, yeah. What is worthy of note with It's Only Make Believe is that that original track listing that we discussed back in Robin's Reign that very early track listing for Robin's potential what he thought was his proposed tracks for his album yeah also included Make Believe It's Only Make Believe which we have here The Flag I Flew which is a later song that we will discuss in this episode and then Sing a Song of Sisters which I'm pretty certain is Sing Slowly Sisters Mm. but I don't think they were recorded or anything 69 they're all probably just lyrics and then the music was done and then recorded yeah as we've got down from 1970 but yeah interesting believe me oh believe me believe me oh believe me believe me believe me I've rated this one as a six. Yep, I've gone with a seven. Okay. We then move into the next track on side two. All's well that ends well. similar to it's only make believe to be sequenced right after it this is another problem that i have with this track listing and again it feels more fitting as a album closer than to just be the second track well it was actually based on a hymn in the bleak midwinter right yep the melody line with that in mind and being a hymn could be a distant relation to um lord bless all yep 
And with that connection to In the Bleak Midwinter, this starts what I think is the theme for side two of the album, which is War, where we have the first of three songs, which is about the theme of war and of separation and moving away. So whereas on side one, we had the Baroque suite, here is the beginning of this second suite on the album. I hadn't looked at it that way. I quite like the way this follows make-believe. And that's what I've put in my notes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it keeps the mood up after the, the other side. I don't have a problem with that, the sequencing on this one. I see where you're coming from about being near the end, but I think with what's to come, there's plenty of choices to be the last track. It was around this point on the album's The Loner and The Kid's No Good when we were saying those albums were starting to feel a little bit flat and they needed a change of pace and tempo and direction. At this point on Sing Slowly Sisters, are you feeling the same? Do you feel like, or do you feel like we've had a good variety so far and it's it's moving? I wouldn't say we've had a really good variety, no. It's just the way they're presented. Probably I'm just not a big lover of chamber music. I much prefer, as you pointed out earlier, I'm you know, an up-robin, a, a, a poppier robin. I can take, you know, some of his gorgeous ballads that he does, fine, you know, and, and you know, some of his singing and songs give you goosebumps. Your score for this one? Um, same as the previous one, I'm going with a seven. Okay, I'm with a six. Then going on to the next song, A Very Special Day. for a very pleasant change to just hear Robin and piano. We don't hear it often enough. We often have Barry's piano ballads, but we never hear that enough from Robin, and it's nice to have it here, I think, because this is a really nice song. Have you been reading my notes? Because <laughs> I... In fact, I, I've just seen on my notes here, I've mentioned what you said previously, actually, because I've put down it, it, it's an ambitious track, with Robin, obviously, as you said, on keyboard... I'd put this alongside or together with Sing Slowly Sisters in the fact that the lyrics seem to be about loss during the war, which is what you said earlier. 
I see this as very much a foreboding precursor to Sing Slowly Sisters. Yeah. Another problem with the track listing, it's a shame that this doesn't go into the title track. We have Sky West and Crooked, but we'll, we'll get on to that. It's going back to just Robin on keyboard, which is, as you say, it's something we don't hear. And the, the way that the piano is being played with the arpeggiated chords, that makes for an effective way of filling out the arrangements as opposed to just padding it out with chords. When you're arpeggiating them, you're building it note by note and it just helps to fill the space oh, okay. and fill out the space where strings or rhythm guitar may have been. So it's, it's a really nice way of doing that. And it's really beautifully coupled with Robin's backing vocals. I'm always very much pleased whenever Robin is singing to his own backing vocals. We had it on Lord Bless All from Robin's Reign and it works very well there. Well, it's one thing you can't fault with this album is is the vocals yeah they're stunning aren't they most of these robin knows the style and the keys that he can sing in and so he's able to really write the perfect songs for himself i go on about chamber music and and the string arrangements but in some ways they're fitted around his voice because they blend so well like the rest of this album his voice really suits the instrumentation you know whether it's the woodwind whether it's the strings whether it's just the harpsichord it blends perfectly for robin but unfortunately in eight years time we'll see well there's no there's no sign of it at all is that late 70s robin is noticeably absent from i mean he's generous if he gets a, a solo vocal on the on the latter albums that's a whole conversation for a later date so I, I think, despite what we say about the songs here, you can't get enough of these vocals from Robin. No, and that's why it's such an important release, this. Yeah. You've had your fun And now you've won I've given A Very Special Day a seven, but I can see myself in years to come, or maybe even next week, this song, Aging Like Fine Wine, that score could increase. Yeah. Well, that's how these things are, aren't they? I mean, you hear them and you score them, because we've listened to it quite a few times, so you put a score down, but you could, as you say, could come back to this six months, a year time, thinking, what was I thinking? It's way better, or totally the opposite. Yeah. Well, I've gone with a six on this one. I think it's got quite a poignant lyric to this one. I can't quite make it, whether it's to do with Robin looking back on an ex who's getting married and he's got to go off to war. Yeah, that is the connection there is. Robin seems to be making the comparison between going off to war and the separation there and then going away and encountering the enemy... And then the previous lover or a partner leaving the narrator of the song to the enemy, which is whoever the the other boyfriend Suter, is. Suitor, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because he keeps saying, you know, it's your very special day. So, and whether he thinks he's not going to return from the war, you see. So, but yeah, it's very quite a poignant lyric on this one. Yeah. The next song on the album is Sky Western Crooked. My walls and my ceiling 
gives me the feeling that I'm leaving you. Cobweb's mother, the eyes of another. Then you discover that she's leaving too. Dustbins, thoughts, paper, and glue. These were all part of the things that we knew. Like Avalanche, this sounds like it could have originated from those 1968 demos. This reminds me of the People's Public Poke song, quirky lyrics. Well, I've put down it's Robin's gone into a simple stripped back waltz on this one. Yeah. There was a film that came out in 1965 called Sky Western Crooked with Hayley Mills in it. Okay. But listen to the lyrics and reading a bit about what the film, I don't, there's, there's no connection. It's, I would think it's just a title that he liked. Yeah. I know we, we listened to an interview recently with Barry where he talks about Sky, uh, Sky songwriting and he likes to have a title to work with and then it gives him a basis of where to start the song because he said he likes a chorus from the title and then work backwards. And I wonder if it's quite similar with Robin. He, he's got these titles, Sky, Western, Crooked, All's Well, That's Ends Well, and then just builds up from it. It wouldn't be a Robin Gibb album if there wasn't a three, four-time waltz. It, <laughs> it had to appear. Well, we had August, October, didn't we? Yeah. So we've now got the uh, the little Swain song in there somewhere. <laughs> this is a typical story song that we would expect from Robin. Uh, an undeniably catchy chorus. Yeah. And it doesn't outstay its welcome. But this one always leaves a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth because I don't well, like... Well, funny you should say that because he mentions East Derbyshire Dentist. <laughs> That wasn't intended. <laughs> the way that this has been positioned between the very special day and Sing Slowly Sisters, it ruins the flow of that trilogy. I would rather have had this outside of... Yes, uh, I agree with you. I want a very special day to flow into Sing Slowly Sisters. I spent years as my father's apprentice He was a dentist in East this was one of the first tracks that Robin recorded. I mean, you mentioned earlier on about New Year's Day, and I've got it down here as about January the 1st or 2nd. This one was recorded at Sound Studios, and he also did A Very Special Day. Interesting that those should then be together mm. on this album sequencing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, I wonder whether they're on acetate as, as one side than the other side. So this album has been compiled... I think different recording sessions various acetates yeah put together some points on the album it works other points it doesn't this is an example of where it doesn't quite work but I can understand if they're going to compile the album by the acetates these two would end up together yeah all of my friends call me sky west and crooked I've given it a six I've gone with a six as well Moving on to the penultimate song on the album, the title track. Sound, 
Well, for me, Chris, this is the highlight of the album. It's head and shoulders above everything else. In fact, I would go and say it's probably one of Robin's best, up to this point, songs that he's written. I mentioned earlier on about songs giving you goosebumps. This one has got that in abundance, I think. The imagery that this song creates is fantastic. It's one of those songs you, you think, I wonder why nobody's used it on a film. Something like War Horse. You know, it would have been superb on that. Okay, it's not a horse, and it's, but but the feel of the song, I think I think it's absolutely brilliant. Well, you've taken all the words out of my mouth. Beautiful album highlight. It's a signature Robin song up there with "I've Started a Joke" and "Saved by the Bell," and it's a song that becomes more poignant as the years pass, with the recent centenary of the passing of World War One, and the message of the song becomes applicable to any conflict. Thinking about 1970. Whether this song had anything to do with the beginning of the Vietnam War, which was happening at the time, it's applicable to any conflict, war situation, and it's it's got a haunting arrangement, uh, beautiful vocals, and like you, I'm so surprised that it just hasn't been used more... In the film industry, really, TV or anything. There was that recent film, was it Peter Jackson, where he colourised the film? Yes. Again, you know, put this to that, and it's, it's heartbreaking. I hear this song and I can I can picture a field with soldiers going into the distance, mm. perhaps never to return. It's a wonderful song. Now as we march away, sing slowly, sisters, sing. might have one of my absolute favourite lyrics of all of the Brothers Gibb. Sweet bird of sunrise, brown hair and sad eyes. And that stuck with Robin because he then revisited it for Wherever You Go. Sweet bird of sunrise Brown hair and sad eyes. He's done it well, but I would have preferred him to, to do the whole song. But it is what it is, and at least we, we got uh, it, it got him working on it again, didn't it? Yeah. Sing Slowly Sisters is about men going off to war during World War One, and Sing Slowly Sisters actually was talking about the women folk. I mean, there was a kind of irony about about the women folk in World War One, in that we were to learn later that they were the propaganda was to encourage men to go to war that it was a noble thing to go and fight for the country and if you didn't go the women made men feel guilty so there's a kind of sting in the tail about this kind of support that women had for young men in world war one I tend to listen to music when I'm out and about. 
I find that music for me I, I can familiarise myself with music best when I'm going out for a walk out for a run and over the past few months I've been listening to this album in preparation and I'd be out and about and but whenever it gets to this song I'd always sort of stop in my tracks and it would always just like you send shivers down my spine yeah there's not much more you can say to it. It, it it's just a brilliant piece of songwriting yeah now you've said that you would have it open side one or two but that's what uh, that's what I had on yeah. the original bootleg cassette so you opened with this and then I th- I can't remember I think you did go into life or it might I'll have to just double check on it so you got a slow then it builds to life which is when you sing so this is when you're dealing with with death it's going into life is obviously totally the opposite I understand why it would make such a great opener but I think where it is as a penultimate works quite well because where you had that contrast between Sing Slowly Sisters and Life here we've got the contrast between Sing Slowly Sisters and Say La Vie Au Revoir whereas before it was contrast between death and life here it's death and then Say La Vie Au Revoir yeah. saying goodbye Yeah. so again that, that, that works quite well Despite how good it is, Chris, I couldn't imagine this on a Bee Gees album at all. Quite a lot of these songs I couldn't imagine on an album. In isolation, you probably put one or two tracks, but other than that, I don't see anything. And I think I mentioned it before, none of these tracks were offered to anybody else either. Not that I'm aware of. I think because they're so individual... Yeah, Sing Slowly Sisters as a song, the beauty of it comes with the fact that it's just Robin and the arrangement, and you would lose that, ironically, by adding Barry and Morris, the arrangement, you'd be taking away. Mm. Yeah, you'd, you'd, just, just Robin on his own's fine. And, and yeah, as it is here, a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I've gone with a 10 as well. Welcome to the last track, Chris. C'est la vie au revoir. Very good French. Oh, mercy. <laughs> As I said previously, this follows on from Sing Slowly Sisters with the theme of goodbye. 
especially with the military snare and percussion of the song. I imagine this one as war has ended and, and it's a sort of celebratory... Yeah, like an epitaph. That's it. That's what I was trying to think. That it's We're not going into full-style party mode, but we're going into... It's a sort of a build-up of all the relief. Yeah. The war is ended. All the soldiers are walking home, you know, wounded and everything. They're all coming home. So it's that sort of happiness that it, that war is now finished. And I think as well... I might be out of here, but I, I think the way the lyrics, it's the style of it, it reminds me a little bit of I've got to get a message to you. Yes. There are one or two things, songs you could have said that about, really, but this one more than anything, I've got to get a message to you, then you come over from war. It's just the way I thought the lyrics might fit one another. Going with these three or four songs from side two that have all been about war, I kind of wish that that would have been the concept for the whole album if he'd have gone fully for a concept album and, and, and have had it about the story of leaving for war and, and not returning well you, they could fit in songs like engines aeroplanes yeah in there yeah. couldn't they yeah the flag I flew they all work quite well maybe, maybe we could do it ourselves yeah it would have been interesting because BG's and concept album are two terms that you never really put together no, I mean, there's a loose one on Odessa, which we sort of mentioned in the podcast, but loose being the, being the word for that one. <laughs> yeah. You sent me out of my Do you like this as an album closer? It's fine. Well, I like I like side two of this. It's more what I like and uh, what I like from Robin. For this one, I I'm quite happy with with a seven on this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my score here. I'm gonna for my original of a six, which I have here. Now I'm gonna go for a seven as well. Yeah. There we go. Cross it out. Change it over. That's a seven. That's it. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of the album. But as we said at the beginning, there is plenty of additional material to go through. Which, had it been released, could have been a totally different album, couldn't it? Yeah. And we'll start by looking at Everything Is How You See Me. The first part of it just so reminds me of the theme tune to Big Country. Yeah. It 
it's spooky how, how it, it creates that image of you know a cowboy though I don't see it in the lyrics to the song he's, he's picked the theme hasn't he but then everything is how you see me doesn't relate at all to out in the wild west no it's just like he's like he, he's obviously heard that he likes it and and obviously the way the arrangement is they've played with it and then got, gone into this but I was expecting you know life on the range and whatever but no it, it's a straightforward song using this backing and as will be the case for all of these extra tracks that we'll discuss I think any of them could have been on the album and wouldn't be out of place no looking at it one two three four the next four I'd put on there yeah these leftover songs had you heard them when you got that bootleg for yes I'd heard most of them there's there's the odd one or two that I hadn't but majority of these I'd heard listening to it the first time these next few are the ones that jumped out to me is really good it seems to be a recurring trend in today's episode but this is another song where i think the outro is excellent the way that robin's backing harmonies are brought forwards into the mix yeah well, I think they needed to, to fill out the song. Despite saying before that this could have been on the album, there is something slightly missing, whether it's just the placebo effect and knowing that this isn't on the album, therefore I, I feel like it's yeah. incomplete, but it does feel a little bit flat outside of that Western theme. Yeah. Sometimes when he's, when he's singing, the backing behind him, it's sort of like you've got this big thing to start it, then it, they, as if they walk out the room. <laughs> Leaving with a small orchestra, and then when there's a gap, in they come back in again <laughs> and fill the big the gap that's missing, and it's not used again anymore, is it? It doesn't fill out the song at the end. It's a good orchestrated pop record, catchy chorus. I'm quite happy with this one. What have you to lose? If he stands in your shoes Sometimes he reminds yourself of days gone by The one that understood And loved you if she could Left you long ago when money stole the show Engines aeroplanes Engines, aeroplanes. Well, I think to me, this is the most poppy song we've come across so far. I get a bit of a country feel to this one. Do you think this sort of song could have fitted or was missing from Cucumber Castle? I know that this one was considered for Trafalgar. Yeah, the following year, I think. And I don't... It it wouldn't fit onto Trafalgar, and I don't think it would have fit onto Cucumber Castle. I think I would have to hear it with Barry and Morris in the arrangement. 
to be able to really consider it as a worthy of being on a Bee Gees album because it's got so much of that trademark Robin quirk to mm. it. It stands so much as a Robin solo song. I won't have you around. I won't have you around. Mm. But it's just interesting why, out of all the songs, he obviously thought this was the most commercial to put it in the mix for Trafalgar. It's difficult because they reworked a couple of 60s songs around the following year as well for Trafalgar. Don't forget me, Ida, they did. And again, that's quite an old-fashioned type of song. I don't see that on Trafalgar. Again, with this one, probably because we're so used to that, or I'm so used to Trafalgar, I, I don't see any place for it. I think, as we mentioned a couple of podcasts back, where, where they did uh, the Marble song prior to doing Main Course, it, it's just quite odd that they've picked these random songs. But going, going back to this one, it's a commercial little number. Sits fine with me. The next song is The Flag I Flew. I know that I wasn't that enamoured by Engines Aeroplanes, but at least that stood out because of how poppy and catchy it was. Whereas with The Flag I Flew, a criticism that I have with all of this material that we're covering today is that some of the songs start to bleed into one another and sound similar. And this is one of them where I think a change of arrangement or pace is needed to provide variety. Yeah. I've put... uh... This track would have sat comfortably on Robin's Rain. Yeah. I think it's got a lovely little melody. Superb vocals again. Um, especially when he goes into that high register. It really complements the orchestra. I like this. Do we have any information for the recording of The Flag I Flew? I've got down here, Chris, as the 9th of April at IBC Studio A. It's got Robin Holds another solo session, his first employing the studio's new 16-track tape machine. The instrumental setup for this date employs a live rhythm section, which is acoustic guitar, bass and drum, as well as a small orchestral group. Um, and the same goes with the following song return to austria that has the same musicians as well (laughs) 
away from this life Just like my woman, my wife She soon grew tired and she travels Stop Going on to return to Austria, with that one, I feel like it's a complete return back to the material that we were discussing with Robin's Reign, Alexandria, Good Time, Janice, those drum machine heavy, three, four time signature pieces. So do you think is it, it's wrong to omit this one then from the album? I don't miss this not being on the album, but it just reminds me so much of the material that he was working on the yeah. previous year. And I, I do quite like it. Please return to Austria. I still love you more than you'll ever know. Return to Austria in the two versions that appear on the Saved by the Bell collection is really fascinating because that demo where it's Robin organ rhythm box is very much of the style of Robin's Reign that we looked at with Alexandria Goodtime and Janice whereas the finished version has the production of the Sing Slowly Sisters album so it's really interesting the way that a different production style can really elevate and lift a song I suppose there's a demo that he's working on the song working his way around it and getting it and and it's quite nice to hear that sort of style song that you mentioned being worked on again yeah as with uh, Janice and Alexander Goodtime we just hear the early versions so this one we are getting a more developed tune and I like it yeah we talked about themes of the war return to Austria yeah if you're going to go could have been a soldier returning and it doesn't let stay as welcome actually does it just over two minutes that's fine next we have Great Caesar's Ghost like this one now could you imagine hearing this one on the radio not really I think it's a a fine song but it's of all the titles here it's the one that I struggle to remember the most yeah 
when I hear it, it's fine, and it goes in one ear and goes out of the other ear. So you think you'd need to hear it quite a few times then? <laughs> yeah. Where's this going? <laughs> well, this one was touted as being the fourth solo single. Wow. That's what I thought when I read it. Okay. I thought, where are they coming from with that? Yeah. I mean, you had Saved by the Bell, then you got August, October. Was it Weekend? Yeah. One Million Years? It has the feel of probably Weekend, because I never quite got where that was a single, but, you know, it's not an August, October, is it? Or a Saved by the Bell. And out of all these tracks that we've gone through, particularly these extra tracks, this, to me, seems like the least commercial one for, for a single. Yeah. When they said it's going to be the fourth track to be, or the fourth, Robin's fourth single, this was not going on to Sing Slowly Sisters then, was it? So they must have thought there was nothing off that set of songs that we that we went through earlier is going to be a single. Now, I haven't got a recording date for this one, so I don't know when or who heard it, had he heard other tracks, whoever decides what's going to be a single. Because sometimes you get singers say, I can't pick my singles. They, they let other people do it, don't they? And we know that with the Bee Gees, it would often be the case that Stigwood would be yeah. choosing the singles. But if you're going to have fading fortunes with a solo career, this is not the single to release. No. I'd certainly gone with Engines Aeroplanes if you wanted a, a, a happy, snappy song. But neither that nor this, I think, represents what the album... Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Is, isn't it? In terms of its chorus and song structure, I found a lot of similarity to I've Been Hurt. Oh, OK. That's not to say that I've Been Hurt should have been a single and is commercial or whatever as an album track great caesar's ghost fine yeah certainly not as a single whether they're going that it's not dissimilar to a robin's rain track and they're, they're going to play it safe Next up, we have Anywhere I Hang My Hat. If I am in love It's something I'm conscious of If so, I'll please her I love what I'm conscious of If so, I'm right I've not been a man I don't have too much to say about this one other than, well, what I've got written in my notes is a strong chorus that flows in nicely from the verses. Yeah, well, I've put that it's a nice change of pace. I would quite happily see this on Horizontal or Bee Gees first. And it's one of those tracks that we've mentioned earlier on, but I can imagine Barry and 
And uh, Morris, I'm back up on this one. Yeah. This one was recorded with Life and also Loud and Clear. Right. So you got Life, which was up-tempo. And this is quite an up-tempo. He must have been in that mood where he's obviously changed. Is it I've been hurt to Loud and Clear, isn't he? Yes. To up-tempo. So that must have been quite a good session to be at. And that being in April, towards the end of the mm. recording sessions, so he's had this inkling of... It'd be good to do some up-tempo songs. Yeah, that's what I. Th- that's what I think. I'd never heard this before. This wasn't. This wasn't on my bootleg. Okay. So it was a real, real nice surprise to get this one. Yeah. To be fairly upbeat as well. I was expecting another slow, mournful. That speaks volumes for the beauty of reissues. I've unfortunately I've never been able to experience with the Bee Gees uh, a reissue since being a fan. But that excitement that you must have when, particularly when you see a title that you've not come across at all before. It goes back to what I said about unreleased stuff. You have all these tracks that Joseph Brennan's listed throughout the years. And I'm a bit sad, really, because I've gone through it and I've crossed songs off that I've got or heard. I tend to stick to songs that were written by either or all of the brothers. So you go through it all and there's a gap and think, oh wonder what that one sounds like so then obviously we're getting the day by day book that's filled in quite a few gaps we're seeing the poetry book we're getting a few gaps and you mentioned reissues this i would love to get on vinyl because this came out in 2015 before the resurgence of vinyl we've got the reissue vinyl from the box set 67 to 68 and the vinyl superb the quality is brilliant. So yeah, I would love to to got a vinyl. When you first got the CD of Saved by the Bell, disc one has Robin's Rain and Extras. Disc two has all of Sing Slowly Sisters. Did you go straight to disc two no. or did you play it all through? Disc, I'm a bit sad. I went disc one, <laughs> two and three. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's... that's Well, the, the first thing I did was when I got it, I went through my list of songs to see if I can cross anything off. Yeah. And I was, been, yeah, and I was able to cross a few off. Yeah, which I think is one of the songs that we'll cover next. I think, which is uh, why not cry together. Why not cry together? For it's only temporary. Soon the sun will come shining through And I'll be waiting there for you And why not laugh together For it's only temporary and soon we'll meet Well, this is just plainly a home demo. Yeah. It's just vocals and acoustic guitar. If he was to have done what Barry and Morris did, a fan club record, you know, like King Cathy, it would have fitted fine on there. Yeah. He didn't go down that route. But unfortunately, I, I did look, and in, in June 1970, it says here, things were hinting that... Uh, Robin's solo days were numbered because unfortunately despite a a big drive on Robin's fan club 
the, well, the, in, the increase was wasn't there, okay. so the fan club folded. Yeah, so I'd I'd have put this on a, on a fan club record, but because it, it was recorded late in seventy, and it's on this compilation. But if you was going to do a a super deluxe of two years on, I'd have been happy for it to go on there as well, because it, it was recorded probably after this after, album. After, yeah. This one I find very similar to The Band Will Meet Mr Justice. However, I doubt that a completed or orchestrated version of this would be remarkably different or change my opinion of this song as it is. No, it's probably like a poor version of a a special day, isn't it? Or something, a very special day. Yeah. As I've said throughout this podcast, there is a nice little melody there. But like many, many songs that we we haven't heard, it's just lost in time, isn't it? So that's why having this... It's brilliant. What could be said about any song by the Brothers Gibb is that there is a great song in there. Everyone's not going to be a golden nugget, is it? No. I'll be outside your front door So we can sing together We can sing forever And that then brings us on to Don't Go Away. Which I think is the last one from this compilation. Yeah. thoughts well it's back to the the good old drum machine again isn't it home demo ish i've put actually his vocals are quite soulful yeah in parts the melody is from the flag i flew there is a really interesting offbeat syncopated drum machine that's used throughout which varies it from the other rhythm box demos that we've discussed but no this is this is nothing unfamiliar i haven't got much we can add to that really it's just nice to have yeah and where does that leave us with any any titles that we don't have well what I've got Chris I've just got a, a couple more I've got one called No Other Heart Now this this one, Chris, is is strange in the fact that it was a B side to the guy that does the orchestration, Vic Lewis, where Robin just contributed the lyrics. Okay. So I I presume Vic wrote the music. It's not the sort of music I really listen to, so it's just interesting to hear. 
it has a very film score quality. Yeah, it does. The sort of song that we play over the ending credits. And then the final I've got is a fairly recent acetate that's been found and it's called I Will Surrender. So shall we dig into which... Well, I think let's go into I Will Surrender first. Okay. I am caught in a cold dark corner And the world won't rescue me How can I surrender to you? How can I surrender to you? So that clip you've heard, all 30 seconds of it, is all we've heard as well. I think it was must have been an acetate that, that's gone up for sale and obviously they'll allow people to listen to a snippet of it. But yeah, it's, it's, not, it's OK. I think it was given to Peter Wingard, which was an actor in the late 60s. Yeah, it's just Robin on keyboard... So this this goes to show that there there must be or there is quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it's not even on their, um, Joseph Brennan's listed song. So it must have been unless it was a one-off track that Robin did for Peter. Anything else? Any other titles that we have? We're looking at the song titles through seventy. There's about three that I I can't. There's one called I'm Learning that there's I can't find no record of or anything. Another title is Your Life Was Created For Me, where, again, it's just lyrics only. The last one I've got is Try Again, which I've got as incomplete. So it must whether he started it and then just put it to one side. So I think, Chris, that virtually wraps up everything that we've, we've got for Robin. Aren't getting higher. Seems I'm just a hopeless case without you. For a bit of fun, we've decided to look at Morris Gibbs, the loner, Barry Gibbs, the kids no good, and Robin's Sing Slowly Sisters, and try and compile a 12 track album from those three albums to take four songs from each of those three albums and then compile that into whichever sequencing we like using whichever tracks either from those albums or leftover material that we discussed in the episode. I've titled my album A Singing Loner's No Good. Oh, okay. I just called mine Life. That's a much better title than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I was going with the whole kick in the head is worth eight in the pants. Yeah, that's that's true. A singing loner is no good. Yeah. (laughs) Would you like to go through your... Okay. I've tried to um, sort of jumble it a little bit so it resembles some sort of uh, playlist that, you, that, that would sound okay. So I've started with Robin's Life. Yep. And I've kept the tempo up with One Bad Thing. And then I've gone into the loner, gone a little bit quieter into loner. And then I've gone back up again to Engines and Aeroplanes. I really like your your opening three tracks particularly because you've got an upbeat song from Robin, then Barry, then Morris. Virtually, yeah. Yes, and, and we've not had that yet. No, that's what I had, thought. That's um, what I've been saying throughout the podcast. It, it, it's So I just thought life, one bad thing, then the loner. I've even gone up again with engines and aeroplanes. So, And then I've come down to the, the day your eyes met mine. And then I'm closing sides 
one, track six with Railroad. Okay. And then we start side two with Born. Very good. Then I've gone to Silly Little Girl. Then I thought we'll we'll go big again with Everything Is How You See Me. And then I'm going to drop back down now. So I'm going to have Glass of Wine, followed by Victim. And I'm going to end with Sing Slowly Sisters. Yeah, we both said that we couldn't imagine that being a Bee Gees song, but we've, I've also got that on my list as well. Yeah, well, I, th- I was thinking when, when we, we come up with this idea, I, I think it would, it's too good to leave off. Yeah. I can't put it on a little B-side or something. So, so I thought with mine, you could either start with it and put Life at the end or um, Sing Slowly as the first track. So yeah, my album called Life. And we're imagining this as when Morris and Robin got back together in the late summer of 1970. Yeah. This is an album that they could have released as, here's all the work that we've done. Life, solo and together, it could be mine, yeah. couldn't it? I'm liking that compilation. Yeah, I was quite impressed myself, actually. <laughs> i better go and do a compilation, put it in the car and listen to that. <laughs> I found when I was sequencing them, I, I liked to try and listen to one and then listen to the ending and then see how that would fade into the next That's song. That's what I used to do when I used to make my own cassette um, tapes up. Listen to the last... Always put the end... Probably that's why my vinyl, like the scratches, are at the end of a song. <laughs> Get to the next, because obviously you're trying to find the end. Then you think, oh, no, that doesn't go well, and then you swap in and change them. So what have you gone with yours? Slightly different in the mood. So side one, I've opened it with Journey to the Misty Mountains. Okay. I've then gone into The Loner, because I love the transition from Misty Mountains into The Loner. Yeah. Then into One Bad Thing. Then to a ballad with The Day Your Eyes Meet Mine. Yeah. Then on to Robin with Cold Be My Days. And then ending side one with Give Me a Glass of Wine. Okay, so you've gone for three fairly slowish ones at the end. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought a big production on Give Me a Glass of Wine could end that well. Turning over onto side two, opening with Railroad. Then on to I've Been Hurt. Then The Victim. And then track ten, I Just Want to Take Care of You. Then A Very Special Day going into Sing Slowly Sisters ending the album okay so it's quite a few different to mine isn't there yeah I really wanted to get Moonlight on there yeah well I that's one I, w- I was struggling with actually but I thought I can only have one of those ballads and that I just prefer The Day Your Eyes Meet Mine a little bit more to Moonlight yeah well I, I I haven't gone with three singles but I thought if they took two singles off you're looking at the album you're thinking hmm what would be a single I've gone with One Bad Thing and the B-side I've put Cella V yeah. If it did another single, I'd still go with Railroad and put Moonlight on the back of Railroad. Probably no chart action with any of that, but uh, <laughs> I quite like the sound of that. Yeah. Was that Robin relegated to B-side again? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Out of what I've picked off the album, I suppose I could have gone with Engines and Aeroplanes. I managed to find three singles. I, I don't know whether they'd have done anything at the time. What I did was picked an A-side from each of the three brothers and then picked a B-side, not included on my album, from a different brother. I think the first single could be One Bad Thing, backed with Engines Airplanes. Second single, Railroad, backed with Born, And then a third single, Sing Slowly Sisters, backed with Silly Little Girl. Yeah. Okay, they're good, aren't they? You see, suppose you sit and think about it, and then when somebody else comes up with something, oh, that's not a bad idea.
And now that we've gone through all three of these albums from The Three Brothers, which is your favourite? If you'd have asked me that before we're doing the podcast, I would have probably gone straight to Barry. But having listened to him numerous times now, I, I have a tendency to lean towards Morris's, which surprises even me. Mm. I think even, even the material that wasn't on the album is still, you know, it deserves a release. Barry's is fine. As I say, it's a continuation of Cucumber Castle. So if you like that, you're going to like Barry's anyway. And then we've got Robin's, of which, as you can see from my selection, I've not gone with any of the sort of slow chamber music, which is just a personal preference. I know you like it, but I prefer um, Robin to be a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. So I will probably go with Morris's. Yeah. What I really like about Morris's, as we've said a few times, is the amount of variety that he has because he's got the instrumentals, swamp rock, pastoral, the more rockier, the piano ballads. It's a really nice selection of everything. Whereas with Barry's, we found it was all a bit... Yeah, as you say, it's a continuation of Cucumber Castle because it's still got Bill Shepard and a lot of the session musicians. But I do like with Robin the way that the album or the tracks he was recording are different tone and feel to Robin's Reign. Yep. You know, he, he, at least he's tried something a bit different. Across January and February of 1970, Robin did some solo concerts. Well, some. I can see two that he did in New Zealand, end of January, early February. Yeah. And it's a seven-track set list, starting with Massachusetts, then August, October, Most of My Life, One Million Years, I Started a Joke, Mother and Jack, Saved by the Bell. That was promoting, obviously, Robin's reign, wasn't it? Because you've got the A and B side there, plus... All the singles, I think. Weekend's not on there, is it? I don't think. No. no. So August, October, Sabre the Bell. One Million Years. One Million Years, yeah. And then obviously the big hits from a couple of years previous. Surprisingly, he didn't do Lamplight, whether it was still too much of a a sore point to... Yeah, it could be. And he just thought, well, I'll, I'll just go with stuff that... When all said and done, it was a B-side, wasn't it? Yeah. So he's obviously kept to all Massachusetts, I started a joke... I suppose he he probably would have had a, what, 20-minute slot or something. To try and think of me as one last I have a special attachment, obviously, to the songs because of the memories. And it's so nice to see you interest in them, even though they never came out. It's nice to see that people, after all this time, there are people out there that like them. Okay, on to the critical reception for this material. In the 5th of June 2015 edition of The Record Collector, they did an article for the Saved by the Bell compilation. Oh, okay. And they said, Stronger in every respect than its predecessor, the inexplicably sidelined Sing Slowly Sisters captivates even when proffering counterweight Europop, such as Life, 
and c'est la vie au revoir. Meanwhile, I've been hurt, irons in the fire, and especially the remarkable cold be my days constitute proper baroque pop with their clock mechanism harpsichords and powdered wig violins. That's what they obviously like, isn't it? Yeah. From All Music, Richie Unterberger says, Sing Slowly Sisters is unsurprisingly highly reminiscent of Robin's reign, and not that far removed from the late 60s Bee Gees. Quality, melodramatic British pop, grandiosely orchestrated. As with Robin's reign, the orchestration tend towards the grander and the puffier, and the songs even sadder and more bittersweet than the early Bee Gees. There is little rainier, rainy day music in all of rock history. There are some moments of eerie beauty on songs like A Very Special Day and Irons in the Fire, and throughout there's self-absorbed lyrical enigma aplenty. Mm. And then from the ultimate biography, it says, The arrangements are far superior to those on Robin's reign, and great care appears to have been taken in the recording. Which I agree with. Yeah. On the strength of potential singles such as Engines, Aeroplanes and Great Caesar's Ghost, do you think that Sing Slowly Sisters, had it have been released, say, May 1970, would it have made much of an impact on the charts? It all depends whether I think it had a really good single to go off with, and I don't think it did, even though I think the tracks, some of them are better. They just, nothing, they could have released the songbook, whatever, couldn't they? And it just wouldn't, just wasn't with them was it and even in the UK when they got back together again it didn't blow the charts apart which we'll we'll discover a bit later on but uh, so no I mean they didn't really come into the UK charts I think till about 72 taking a look at our score differences Yours was very minimal, going from, at first, a 6.4 up to a 6.5, with mine going from a 6.3 up to a 7. Because it's really new material for you, really, isn't it, to get round? Yeah, I've only been familiar with this for three months. It's obviously made an impact on you, then, for it to, um, to increase like that. And, as we'll see, perhaps, with the next few albums, <laughs> these songs... Having only known them for three months, I'm preferring them to some of the albums I've known for a few years. Interesting. And with all of that, we reach the end of today's episode. We've wrapped up all of the material, not only from Robin, but also now from Barry Morris throughout 1970. This brings us to the end of season one. We'll take a short break before returning for season two. Or should I say, season two years on. (laughs) Good one. If you have any thoughts about Two Years On, or any thoughts about the work that the Bee Gees did in the early 1970s, please do get in touch. Or if anybody saw them in concert or anything, we'd love to hear from him. Yeah, for sure. We will speak to you next time. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Words, the Bee Gees podcast, presented by Stuart and Cristiano Jepson. 
Follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Words Bee Gees Podcast and on Twitter at Words Bee Gees Pod. Or, if you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at wordsbeegeespodcast at gmail.com. You can share.